Thank you, Jimmy. If you have your Bible, turn with me if you would to 1 John chapter 5. I'm not sure I need to preach this message now. You all already testified to everything, so you all already know all this material, and you don't need me, so that's good. I do want to say, before we begin this message, that um, one of the things that amazes me about God, and I don't know why He does it, but He uses the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of preaching. And this morning, I left out a very important uh, fact. It never came to me in my study and preparation, and and, uh, someone pointed it out to me later, and I appreciate it. Uh, But uh, we may not go to others, we may not partner with others, not only because of pride, but also because of lack of trust with that other individual. Now, there's two things that I would say to that, and I say in response to that. First of all is, never should a Christian violate the confidence of another individual. Never is it appropriate to violate trust, unless someone is in serious danger if you don't. There's, uh, there, of course, are certain times... Uh, you know, if, if you come to me in confidence and say that you plan to murder your wife tomorrow, uh, we're gonna ha- I'm sorry, but the law says I have to tell the police and tell your wife that she needs to watch out. Uh, but under the normal circumstances, um, we, should never, we should never break confidence and we should never um, use what we've had that has been shared with us uh, to harm that person. Into, uh, and I know uh, things happen unintentionally, and uh, we need to apologize and, and make right if that happens. But I want to be clear about that. The other part of it is, is sometimes we can have in our um, past those that have violated our confidence. And so it's not that the individual in question isn't trustworthy, but that we have difficulty trusting after that has been broken. I would say that to you, that you need to find someone that you have trust and confidence in, what shred of it you have, and begin building that trust back. God does not want us to live in isolation because of past hurts. Um, Satan will use those against us. And so... Um, I, I should have mentioned that this morning, and uh, I don't know why it didn't come to me uh, in my preparation, um, and I don't know why the Lord didn't bring it to me while I was preaching, but I'm glad the Lord brought it to me through an individual, and to so bring clarity. Um, and you know what? There might be other way, reasons why you might not share it. it, may, uh, it, there, might be, it there might be something that you thought of. And uh, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit's faithful. He uses the foolishness of preaching. And uh, so we just, we would encourage you that whatever stands in the way of you getting the help that you need, do your best to remove those barriers. Take, uh, I, I say this carefully, but take ownership of that. Do whatever you need to do to move those barriers. Um, because isolation makes you vulnerable to Satan's attack. And I know that there are many here that have passed with hurt and pain and difficulty. Um, some of you have shared your stories with us. And, and I, I want you to know that God wants to use your past to bring healing to not only yourself but to others. And so, and maybe the most important part of the whole thing is be trustworthy as a church. Let's be trustworthy. You know, every church has an identity. And we, we have several churches in this community, and, and already and, and I have a, a, without even having visited them, I, have, I kind of have a good idea of what they, what they are, what their identity is. And uh, if I could choose the identity of our church, if, I, if it were up to me to pick, it would be this. That we are a place where if you have a problem and need someone to walk with you, this is where you want to come. 
because this is a church that will walk with you through your difficulties and through your hard times. And uh, I would want to be known for that more than I'd want to be known for our standards, though I hold to our standards dearly, more than I would want to be held uh, known for our music style or our worship style. I would rather the community know us as a place where you can go when you're broken, when you're hurting, and find a place that won't judge you, but will walk with you and help you along the way. So that's, that's the continuation of this morning. And uh, I, think, I think those that help us out as we try to preach this uh, and be faithful. 1 John chapter 5, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We are continuing now, we continue this morning's message, now we're going to continue last week's message. Last week we began um, to talk about how we can know that we're saved. We talk about what we believe, our obedience, and... Um, Oh, the, the last point slipping my mind right now. Um, uh, yeah. You'll have to look at the archives. No one's shouting out the answer, so... From last week, it was a... What you, uh, no witnesses for this week. Oh. Yep. So anyhow... Everybody needs to go to the archives. We've got it on the website or on the podcast so you can get that third point. I believe it was overcoming. I think it was overcoming. If I were looking at the scripture, I believe, it's, I believe it is overcoming. But uh, anyhow, that's what's dangerous when you don't have things written down and you get to be my age. You forget things. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. None of you are encouraging. You're supposed to be saying, it gets better, brother. It gets better. You know, that's what they told me about marriage. It just gets better and better and better. And I believed them, and it has. And you keep telling me it gets worse and worse and worse, and I'm going to believe you, and it's going to. I think you're just predicting bad things. You know, what you predict is what you get. 1 John chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse 6. This is that. This is he that. I'm sorry. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And this is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Aren't there some Pentecostals around here that need that verse? And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for these witnesses. We ask that tonight that you'd help us as we deal with what many consider a very difficult passage to understand. We ask that you'd give us the right thinking and a right mind, a right spirit, and Father, that the truth of this passage would find a resting place in each of our hearts. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Chase, can you give me one of these mics? Can I have a yellow? All right. We're going to do Word on the Street tonight. Now, let's see if I can get this to turn on here. 
Are we good? All right. I need some uh, people on the street. I, I have a victim. Dean is, is my, one of my favorite victims. <laughs> Dean, would you please take the mic? I have some questions to ask you. I, please speak into the mic because we, we want this for time and eternity. <laughs> I'd like to ask you, the first question is, are you married? Yes. <laughs> that, wow, that's good. It's good. That strong, affirmative. All right, prove it. Oh, okay. That's good. I'll ask your son-in-law. Jimmy, are you married? That's good. Prove it. I'm supposed to believe your word? <laughs> I'm honoring enough to just try to push you to do it. <laughs> so you, you can't prove it right now? You, you, no, you can't prove it. Oh, this is... Oh, you have a license. You, oh, you have a license, and you could prove that to me with, with, this, with a, what, a piece of paper? Oh, that's interesting. So you have a piece of paper that proves that you're married. How do I know that it's not fake? How do I know it's authentic? Oh, it has a state seal on it. Oh, that's very interesting. Let's ask a lady. Lorinda, you look like a great victim tonight. Uh, I guess this is woman on the street now. Um, or in the pew, maybe. But uh, are you married? You are. And can you prove it outside of your piece of paper, this license that Jimmy says he has? Not really. Wow, this is interesting. All right. Maybe we need to ask some, uh, some older folks. Maybe, we didn't, maybe we're just too, uh, in the too young of a, an age group. You know, let's, let's get somebody with a little more experience. Sister Rasmussen, you've got experience. Are, are you? Yeah, definitely. And, and are you married? Yes. You are? Can you prove it? Oh, okay. So you've, so because you put up with this guy for 58 years, you feel like that, that qualifies you as evidence. All right, that's good. That's good. We have, we have an anniversary couple here. That's right. Let's see. I don't know. what. Uh, sister, you got, you got pointed to. Are you married? Yes, I am. Yeah, and do you have evidence? Can you prove it? Oh, we have a witness. Oh, 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 that's really good. That's really good. Well, I'd like to ask one more person just because I'm feeling honoring and because I can because I have the pulpit. So I'm going to ask my wife. <laughs> yeah, this is dangerous. You all say that I, she never gets a chance to speak, you know, and I always tease her. So I'm giving, I'm, I'm making good on your all's threat on me here. So this is their fault, dear. You can blame them. Now, uh, Trisha, are you married? You just said I was. That's a little bit, that's a little bit concerning. Do you believe that you're married? Yes. You do believe that. And can you prove it in a court of law? Could you prove it to me? Oh, you have pictures and a license. Oh, that's very good. Very good. Anybody feeling left out? Anybody want the mic? Oh, we do. We have, we have, we have the voice of experience. All right, this is, uh, this is exciting. Yes, sister. Are you married? You are. And, and how would you prove it? I took his name. You took his name. Wow. Wow, that was really, really good. Any other volunteers? Anybody feeling left out? Anybody sorry? I didn't ask them. Eliana, you're not married. <laughs> and if you are, that guy is in trouble. <laughs> All right. Now, why did I do that exercise? Hmm. What I found interesting is none of you told me you felt married. Not one of you told me you felt married. 
Now, Jimmy got probably the closest, <laughs> but he wouldn't make good on his threat. <laughs> I still wanted to push him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't blame you, Jimmy. That's why I didn't push you. I, I didn't want to do your funeral this week. I'm, I got a busy enough week not to have to do your funeral. <laughs> now you said you felt married. Isn't that amazing? Now I'm going to ask, uh, I, no, I'm not going to ask who feels married tonight. That would be terrible. <laughs> some of you could raise your hand and some of you, you'd be like, <laughs> not today. Do you know what she did? <laughs> <laughs> and she's saying, you know what he did? <laughs> None of you said you felt married. None of you had that as your evidence. And yet, when we ask you, and if I would go through and I would say, how do you know that you got saved? What would we say? Well, I feel, I felt, I experienced. Now, I'm going to tell you, on my wedding day, I felt great joy. It quickly dissipated after the honeymoon. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I felt great joy that day. I remember was I standing here at about here in the uh, in the in the church and and they opened up the doors and and in comes my beautiful bride and my ugly father-in-law. I hope he listens to this. <laughs> I've told this illustration with him there. He he. So if you're listening online, Dad, you got it again. Here, he, but here they came. Do you know that they? I don't know what they did, but I think they set a world record for slowest uh, quarter mile or whatever it was. I mean, they were walking so slowly up the aisle. They have got to get a faster wedding march. I mean, I should, I should have went to the pianist and say, double time that, sister. <laughs> I'll give you 20. <laughs> I mean, they're just lollygagging up the... Uh, I, I think she was trying to drag it out, or maybe my father-in-law was trying to drag it out. That's probably what it was. I so wanted within my spirit to run down the aisle, get a hold of her hand, and pull her up there, and let's get this show on the road. And if you don't think I'm ornery enough to do it, you just don't know me well enough yet. But I didn't want to ruin her day. I didn't want to, but oh, I wanted to hurry up and get the uh, hitch and hitched. <laughs> I just wanted it done. I was excited. There was great joy in my heart. There was a great experience of, uh, of knowing that in a few moments, we were going to be married. And do you know what? There came a point when the preacher said, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss your bride. And I kissed her full on the lips, and I didn't have a marriage license sealed from the state yet. No, I had the document, and it was, it was up there. It was, it was available, but it hadn't gone back to the state to be processed and have the official license sent to us. But we were still married regardless. So now the, the marriage certificate is, in our country, the legal proof that you are married. And I, I forget which one said that they had their marriage certificate, which was an excellent answer. But none of us get a salvation certificate. So you don't have that. My, my wife says that she has pictures. That's pretty good evidence, isn't it? You don't get pictures when you get saved, typically. I mean, sometimes there's people in the back taking pictures if you're at camp meeting or something. But typically, you don't have pictures of you getting saved. Anybody have pictures of when they got saved? Nobody. 
So pictures are no good. Nobody has a certificate of salvation sealed by the church or sealed by, the, by the God. You don't have that. Sister said uh, she had a witness. Someone was there when they got married. And I think that's an excellent evidence of salvation is a testimony of those that were present. I think that can be an excellent excellent uh, testimony of salvation. But even that, really, they don't know really if you got it or not. They don't really know. Sister Rasmussen says she's put up with this man for 58 years. Or is it vice versa, brother? <laughs> 58 years together. Living together. Yes, brother. Yes, sir. That's exactly. Yes, sir. Try. Yes, sir. That is, that is exactly one of the things we were talking about last week. That we just be, our will is lost in each other's. Our will is lost in God's. We become obedient in Him. So how can we know that we're saved? How do we have the witness? How can we, how can we prove that we have salvation? Brother Vaughn said that in the testimony, that in his testimony earlier, that many testify to a deep, settled peace. Well, I'm not sure if those were his words, but the hymn, there's a deep, settled peace in my soul, kept going through my mind as this evening. I tried to find it in our hymn book, but I, I didn't see it. I, maybe there's got a different title. But there's a deep, settled peace in my soul. And you know, that's an excellent way to know. But it's not one that John gives here. It's not one that John gives here. How do we know that we're saved? The first is that we know through the testimony of the Son. We know through the testimony of the Son. Jesus came not just by Water, or just by blood, but he came by both water and blood. And if you know what that all means, you know better than all the commentators. Because we still haven't figured it out. But here's what we th how we understand it. The, the best that we can guess is this. Is there, that Jesus had two distinct events that marked his ministry, that allow for us to know that it is by him that we are saved. The first was his water baptism. When Jesus was baptized, he had the testimony of John. He says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He had the testimony of the Father, who said... Behold my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he had the testimony of the Holy Spirit who came down like a dove. Now I find this interesting, and you'll see this throughout, the, uh, throughout this passage. There are always in sets of three are these witnesses. And this is very, very important. In the day of the Bible, they did not have video. I know that surprises some of you. They did, not have, they did not have security footage. And so when a person was accused of something, of a crime, or something that would go to court, they had to have some kind of way of knowing whether a thing was true or not. If I were to take Brother Gary to court, 
and you all are the jury. And I say, Brother Gary, he hit me. And Brother Gary says, no, I didn't. How are you going to rule? You can't. You don't know which, which one of us is telling the truth. But if, if uh, there's three of you that were present and you saw that he did hit me, and I bring out my three witnesses and all three tell the same story, it doesn't mean for sure that it's true, but it, le it lends itself to being true. And in a Jewish court, two or three witnesses had to agree to establish a thing as true. And at, at Jesus' baptism there by, by John the Baptist, you had John who gives testimony, you have the Holy Spirit who gives testimony, and the Father who gives testimony that Jesus is the Son of God. Three, giving a witness and testifying to those present that this is the Messiah. Now let's go to the blood. Jesus is on the cross. What's interesting to me here is that you'll find the same witness. What do we have? We have the witness of another man, the Roman centurion, who says, certainly this is the Son of God. Another man on earth. We have John the Baptist. We've got the centurion. We have, again, the Father. How do we know it's the Father? Because of, of the, the darkness that came over and, and the earthquake. The power, the manifestation. These are the same uh, uh, manifestations of God that were on Mount Sinai. The Father testifying, this is my Son. And the Holy Spirit, the veil being ripped in two. Saying that there's access to the Holy of Holies. Again, Three voices, lending themselves to the testimony that Jesus is the Son of God. And so when Jesus says that He is the one who can take away your sin, He's had two times three witnesses testify to the fact that He is indeed the Son of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And here's what John says. He says, if you don't believe him, then you've turned God into a liar. You know, it amazes me how, how much we get stumble over this. Now, it's not that, I don't think there's anyone here that doesn't believe that Jesus is the one who takes away our sin. I don't think there's anybody here, as far as I know, that doesn't believe that, that Jesus is the, the, the sacrifice for our sin. But here's where we have the problem. It's believing when Jesus says the work is done, believing that it is done. The preacher who married me was the fa my father-in-law. And when he said, I now pronounce you man and wife, I believed him, and I made full good by lifting up that veil and planting a good old smacker right there on the lips to signify I did believe what my father-in-law, the preacher at our wedding, said was true. He said it. I believed it. I'd gone through the ceremony. I'd done what was necessary. I believed what he said, and I acted on it in full confidence. And those of you that have been married, you did the same thing. When the preacher said that you were husband and wife, or however he pronounced it, and he told you you could go ahead and kiss... Now, some of you didn't act like you were married. Some of you just did a little peck. But there's some of us who are a little more enthusiastic. There's some of us that really laid it on. And there are others that, not me, because I was threatened with being murdered on my wedding night, Jimmy. 
that, that took their wives and bent them all the way down and really enthusiastically believed that what the preacher said that they were married, that they were married. Now some of you think that's gross. And some of you don't think that might be appropriate for a wedding or a church. But I'm telling you, it's appropriate because you can act on what you know. When, that, when the preacher said you're married, you knew it, you believed it, and you could act on it. And, and folks, listen, here's the thing. The people who are all nervous and shy and do a little peck, they're just as married as the people that get all enthusiastic and, are, and are got that lady bent all the way down. It isn't the demonstration of the kiss that makes you married. It is the word of the one who's doing the marrying. And so if you jump and shout and hallelujah and praise ye the Lord and dance all around and have a great time because you got saved because the one who does the saving, Jesus, said you're saved, good for you. But if you just say, just thankful the Lord saved me, and that's all you do, you acted on it. You're just as saved as the one jumping all over the place. The demonstration, I believe there should be a demonstration. There should be at least a testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I believe there should be a testimony. I believe there needs to be uh, an act of faith that says, I do believe... I do believe that a demonstration is necessary, but it doesn't have to be the demonstration I had. And it doesn't have to be the demonstration that Jimmy or, had, or, or that Rocky had, or, or uh, what Denise had. It doesn't matter what your demonstration is, just demonstrate that you do believe. Whether it's as small as a little testimony or whether it's jumping all up and down on the aisle or running the backs of the pews or whatever it is, just believe and act like you believe. Because the testimony that what Jesus said is true. Well, there's not a lot of demonstrating tonight, but I'm excited about it. You ask me to prove that I'm saved, I don't have a piece of paper. And I'm not going to point to you to witnesses that were there and I don't have any pictures. This is what I'm going to tell you. The one who cannot lie said it was so, and I believed him. The one who cannot lie said it was so, and I believed him. And I demonstrated it and testified to it. And I've kept as best as I knew how to keep walking in this way. I'm not saying there haven't been problems. I'm not saying I haven't fallen. I'm not saying that I've been perfect. I wish I could. But what I can say with all, uh, uh, of, uh, with every fiber of my being is that when he said it was so, I had a choice whether to believe God or call God a liar. And I chose to believe God because he cannot lie. Well, that ought to do something. If, John says if you can believe a man, why can't you believe God? If you can believe the preacher who said you're married... If you can believe that guy, and folks, we're fallible. Preachers, we don't know everything. We get things wrong. We usually have the wedding figured out. We usually know when to say that you're now pronounced husband and wife. We usually know how that works. But if you have enough confidence in a man... To, that he would say that you're married for you to believe it enough to demonstrate it in front of all those witnesses 
if you had enough courage to believe him for that, how can we not trust Jesus who said, I pronounce you forgiven. I now claim you to be in my family. And I like what the sister said. We, I took his name. I said I was a Christian. I didn't hide it. I took his name. I took the name of Christ and demonstrated that I believed the one who cannot lie. Well, I'm feeling good in my soul tonight. I don't know about you. I think I got a late start, Jimmy. Let's get, that clock's a lot further along than it should be. Nothing else to do? Oh, that's good. I'll just preach till midnight. <laughs> the witness of the one who cannot lie, the witness of the Son, who was witnessed twice by three, three testimonies that he was the Son of God. We didn't even mention the time that he was on the Mount of Transfiguration and the testimony of that, but I... I don't know how that fits in with the water and the blood. John didn't bring that up, and I don't know why he didn't. But even there, there were witnesses that this was the Son of God. The witness of the Son. Then there's the witness of the saint. That's your witness. You want to know how you're, that you're saved? Is do you testify to it? Do you live it and do you act it out? Did you take his name? Do you, do you act like a Christian? Or is, you know what, we got married and, you know, we started acting like we were married. You know, we, we went on our honeymoon and we moved into the same house and we started fighting. Just like all good couples do. More truth than fiction in that, isn't there? We started behaving. What does he say? The witness in himself. John says the witness is in himself. We had the witness within ourselves that we were married. We started acting like it. 58 years together, we started acting like it. We act married. Jimmy said he wanted to demonstrate. Man, I wished he would have. Not that I want him dead. What is it? You behave differently. There's a... You... you Folks, a hypocrite can only put on the show for so long. You can only put on the show for so long. You can fool... You can fool a lot of people, but you're not going to probably fool your family, and you may even fool yourself. But, but folks, what's real comes out. And you know, uh, you just can't pretend to be married very long. It'll just, it'll just, it'll come out. It'll come out. You know, it's, when I worked in secular job, they, they had an issue with me not wearing a wedding ring. Had a real issue with that. And this is what I said. I said, do I act married? Do I behave myself in such a way that I show that I'm available or that I am not available? How's my conduct? Anybody can put on a piece of gold or a piece of silver and take it off when it's convenient. But you can't put on or put off the way you behave. How do I conduct myself? Do I conduct myself in such a way that everyone knows that I'm married? That I'm unavailable? Or do I conduct myself in such a way that maybe that would be a nice pickup? Now, I'm not saying there aren't, there aren't times of confusion. I, had a, I have a good preacher friend, married, was at a camp meeting without his wife. 
And a, a single lady went up to him and said, you need a good wife. And he says, I have one, sister. And she was poor, pretty embarrassed. And it wasn't that he was acting unseemly. Was, she, just, she appreciated the way he acted and she thought maybe she'd do a good job in keeping, fattening him up a little bit. Probably thought he was just too skinny to be married. I don't know. I guess that's another evidence we didn't talk about, huh? <laughs> just you wait, Jimmy and Alex. Just you wait. A few more years of marriage and it's going to show. <laughs> it almost always does. Why? Because we act like it. We act like it. There's a witness in our spirit that we just behave in such a way that everyone knows there's something different about you. You live differently. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about you, but you behave differently on the job site. I can't put my finger on it. I find it amazing when people walk up to us at restaurants. And they'll say, are you all Christians? I love it. Well, what was the first clue? That's what I'd love to ask them. What was your first clue? Was it that we dressed like it? Was it that we prayed before our meal? I hope we all pray before our meals in a restaurant. Hope we're not ashamed of Christ. Threw that in for you. That wasn't in the notes. <laughs> What told you? What, what was the evidence? Was it the way we were courteous and let people uh, uh, with uh, difficulties and handicaps to go ahead of us in the, uh, through the line? Was it because we took too much chicken? What was the proof? We acted like it. We dressed like it. We behaved like Christians behave. Oh, that God would help us. That we would have it settled in our heart, not only that we'd believe the Son, but we would believe the witness that every saint has, that they behave differently. I remember I was a young person, and I had up and down, up and down, up and down. Didn't have a Christian home, and I remember I'd gotten saved on Sunday night for the probably the 453rd time or something like that. And I remember I'd made a determination. I wasn't telling anyone at home that I'd gotten saved again. I just was going to live it. And I think it was about Friday. Mom said, I don't know what happened to you, but you are behaving differently this week. And I said, I know something happened. I know that the salvation is real. I wish I was, that was the last time I fell, but, but there was a, a determination in my heart to serve God. And I didn't have a lot, I had a lot of learning to do. And I thank God that he's patient with us. And maybe that isn't your testimony. Maybe your testimony is you got saved once and, and for time and eternity. But I, but I remember that time as a special time. When I remembered, or when God revealed to me salvation works. If I just let it, if I just put my confidence and trust in Him, it would do something for me. Testimony of the saint. And finally, and I don't, and I don't think this is the least at all, but the testimony of scriptures. John said, I wrote these down so that you would believe. You know, one of the things that needs to happen when we're working around the altar with people, and you know, I, it's interesting, we don't have classes on that, and, we, and Brother Vaughn, I don't remember ever a Sunday school lesson on how to work with people around the altar. And you know, I don't even remember in Bible school that I'm even really teaching us how to work with people around the altar. I think the only way you can learn how to work around the altar with people is, is you just start going up and praying with people and listen to how the, how the preachers or those that have, know how to do it, do it, and you just kind of follow their lead. I guess that's the only way that, that, that I know that we ever learn in our, in our circles. 
But one of the things that I think is so important when you're working with somebody out around the altar is that you start using Scripture. When you're praying for someone to get sanctified, you say, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. They suffered without the gate for your sanctification. You just begin to quote Scripture about God's will and about that, that the, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. You can just go through and, and just start talking about if you'll confess your, her sins. And just go through and just scripture after scripture in the place of prayer. Folks, if, we can, if there's anything to believe, it's God's Word. If there's anything to believe in this world where you can't trust the media and, and fake news this and fake news that and, and the bias here and the bias there and, and, and we live in a... I mean, if you don't agree with it, it's fake news now. Whether it's fake news or not. Well, I want to tell you something. God's Word is good news. And it's true news. And it's timeless news. You can't put a date on God's Word. Because what was written 2,000 years ago is still good today. There's no expiration on it. John said, I've written these things so that you can believe on Jesus Christ. I've written these things so you can believe in the Word. The Son of God. You say, I'm having trouble believing God for my salvation. I'm having trouble believing God for my sanctification. Get in the Word. I've got some good books on holiness, and, and I'd encourage you to read them if you're seeking holiness. I, I, I believe in those kind of things, uh, uh, the resources. I believe in talking with the saints who've, who've gone that way before and heard their experiences. But if you really, really want to know you got to be in His Word. Because though the world and the devil has fought and assailed against God's Word, it has stood the test of time. Nations have come and they've crumbled. Dictators have risen and they've fallen. Atheists and agnostics have assailed but they have come to naught. Theories and religions have tried to get their foot in the door of the hearts of men and women only to have been forgotten in the passage of time. When this whole world burns up, one thing will remain. It's the Word of God. And we can build our lives on it. And we can point to the Word as evidence of our salvation. Just as you'd pull out your marriage certificate with the seal of the state on uh, which you got married, that seal that says this is proof that these two have been joined in holy matrimony. We lift up God's Word as evidence with the seal of the Holy Spirit on it. My salvation is secure and sure. It's secure and sure by the seal of the Holy Spirit. I didn't ask you this as I started to prove that you're saved. And you know, it's not for it's not my business to even need to know where you are. Unless you're in leadership. It isn't that you need to prove that you're saved. But you need to know in the court of your heart. There is within your heart a courtroom where you sit as judge. And John has placed three witnesses for our consideration. The witness of the Son, 
the witness of the saint, and the witness of the scriptures. And of course they have their supporting witnesses. But ultimately it comes down to this. Will you believe these testimonies? Or will you call God, His Word, and His people liars? An agnostic talking to a little Christian girl. He said there's been many people who have claimed to know who God is. And all of them have different opinions. How do you know that you're serving the right God? And she said, I believe the one who rose from the dead. And it was settled in her heart. Who are you going to believe this evening? You're going to believe the word of God? You're going to believe the you're going to believe in the spirit of truth or are you going to believe in a world that has gone crazy and has turned themselves all inside out and backwards and they don't even know which restroom to use? I choose to believe God in a chaotic world. I choose to believe His word. I believe in the testimony of the saints. I believe that he saves me right now. I believe he sanctifies me right now. Not because I feel it, but because he said it. And I've demonstrated my belief in it. I've walked in the light of the truth. You've got to demonstrate it. You can't just say, I believe, and just keep carrying on the way you always carried on. The devils do that. You've got to demonstrate you believe. It might just be a small little peck, or it might be a great big, wet, sloppy kiss. But whatever it is, demonstrate it. Demonstrate it. Let's stand together. Amen.